0: able to, to flourish and build and grow each of those areas to make us complete and live the lives that we were meant to lead. So that's kind of the theme and way I've thought about this, and today um, we're going to be talking about relationships. So we're super excited to, to share. I am, or I was, or still am, a little bit of a geek. Growing up, I loved and soaked up Lord of the Rings. That was my scripture second, but a close second was Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and all that, that fantasy world. And I loved reading those stories, what they meant, all the imagery, and then heavens, they came out with those movies and they were larger than life. And so I loved growing up with that. And I didn't really know much more than what the stories had for us from the, Nar- from the Narnia, from C.S. Lewis, and from Tolkien and, and Lord of the Rings until I started to grow and kind of understand who these authors were. Um, C.S. Lewis, the creator of Chronicles of Narnia, amongst other works, and Tolkien, the creator, his most known work being Lord of the Rings. Looking at their history of that relationship, they both uh, just, World War I had just finished uh, the horrors of that war, both professors at Oxford. C.S. Lewis was the atheist, Tolkien was the believer, and they developed a friendship and um, talked, went on walks and talked about life, theology, all the things at hand, and through their relationship sprung something that was, that was beautiful and, and only could have happened because of Christ. There was a, a, an excerpt from a book, <laughs> whether it was possible, uh, sorry about this, possible that at one time... The myth had coincided with history. Whether one time eternity might have broken through into time. Tolkien suggested that it had. That the myth of a God who had died and come to life was an echo of a greater story. Of perhaps the greatest story that was ever told. And that one time in history, this eternal story had bloomed into reality. Had broken through into history and and time as a crocus breaks through the snow. And it had changed everything forever and ever had brought spring into winter, had brought eternity itself into time. Lewis had never considered that. But Tolkien pressed him to consider it, and so now he would consider it, and it would haunt him. One of the trinkets, they have a a cherished trinket. It's a pen. I don't even know if it works. I've never used it before. But my family supported a missionary growing up, and the missionary was a woodworker and liked to do different kind of side projects, He got together, so this pen, it's probably hard to see, is broken up into two parts. There's a lighter wood at the front, and it's actually made from a branch of an ash tree that was located in the grove where Tolkien and C.S. Lewis used to take their walks. Pretty cool. And the rest of the body, the darker brown portion, is made from an olive tree branch taken from a tree from Jerusalem. So pretty memorable representative piece of what that relationship is and what united them. And it all, like we talked about, goes back to relationship and the relationship that they formed. That brought forth some of the most world-renowned, greatest literary works of all times from the books that they wrote and also C.S. Lewis going on and writing so many more powerful books like Mere Christianity. I don't know if you've read that. It's a good one. But that was all created by being in relation with each other. And so as we kind of look around, I want to take a first look at the evidence that we see within our world. Do we see evidence, not outside of scripture, but as we look at the world, that we are intrinsically relational? And I think the the question is absolutely yes. We are very much relational, and we're we're created to be relational. And and no more have we seen that than the recent history, or excuse me, the recent events of what has been going on with COVID. And people being isolated and being apart from each other. And the toll that has taken on our society, on our churches, within our lives, it goes to show that we are relational beings and we are made to be relational. We look in the scripture from creation, from the very beginning, Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. From the outset of creation, God understands his own creation. He's the creator. He knows that we need somebody there with us. We need to be in relation with each other. Then throughout, throughout hip, hip, excuse me, scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, we see God longing for a relationship with his people and the different ways he tries to make that happen. And ultimately, through Christ, we're given the example of what the purest relationship with God looks like and one that we strive for and which in our heavenly bodies we will get to someday. So then why did God send his son? It's because he's been working on that rescue plan the whole time, and that rescue plan is to have us come back into the fullness of relationship with him and himself. Growing up in churches, um, different churches in the South, it seemed like what they taught was the Old Testament was here, And the New Testament was out here, and they weren't interconnected whatsoever. We did a study in our small group from a book called Seamless. It's a book by Angie Smith. And it paints a beautiful picture of how all of Scripture points to Jesus. All of Scripture points to him. Old Testament and new. And that is what his rescue plan is all about coming back into relation with us. A tagline or a billboard piece or a saying that I like to think about is what we do and who we are in our relationship with Christ, it's not about a religion, but it's about a relationship. So simply said, but yet so true. So, kind of talked about a minute ago, kind of what we see, what the world says about relationships. We see that the evidence is there that we are to be relational. So, let's kind of dive in a little bit to see what scriptures say about relationships and how we are going to flourish in these relationships. So, I kind of broke it down into three parts. The first one is that we have relationship with each other within the body of Christ. It's kind of one part to that. The second part is relationships with those outside of the body of Christ. And then thirdly, and I would argue the most important one, is the relationship that we have with our creator. So we'll dive in to each of these. So when we look at the relationships we should have with each other, with those inside the body of Christ, I found an article or a piece of an article that kind of summed up and defined what the church is in a a really good way. So it's from the Gospel Coalition website. Says this, the church has its origin in the eternal purposes of God. It is the new covenant community of Jesus, rooted in Israel, constructed by Jesus, and inaugurated by the Holy Spirit. The church is the people of God, chosen by the Father, and graciously brought into a relationship with the triune God and to one another. Way more beautiful than I could say that. (laughs) What the church is and what are we defined to be. And that last part, graciously brought into a relationship with the triune God and to one another. So, why does having these relationships with each other help us flourish? I kind of broke that down into three parts. The first one, it helps us stay accountable to lives we lead. Surrounding ourselves with those that have faith in Christ can look into our lives and see the things that we are doing and the things that we are not doing, helping us be held accountable for what we do or don't do. So much of this life, as we look around, things pull us in all different directions. And we got to look and see what what are we being allowed to be pulled around by. And sometimes it's good to have those, not sometimes, it's always good to have those around you that can remind you of your purpose, and help refine you. Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And this is exactly what Seth was talking about last week with moral purity and having accountability, having someone there to help you get through those times, to show you the truth of God's word. I have here, relationships are an expression of God's love, revealing himself through our friends. What are the ways that we learn and understand what God It's saying in Scripture and into our lives how he's speaking into our lives. One is Scripture. We need to study and press into Scripture to figure out how he wants to live our life. But he also has all of us. I don't know about you, but God doesn't audibly talk to me. I, I go by the leadings of the Spirit to what I feel is the right thing to do. But secondly, I have friends. I have people within the body of Christ that speak, and God speaks through them to me and helps me figure out what is right and what is wrong. And so using each other to help us stay accountable to the lives that we lead. Secondly, having relationships within the church help us stay strong and encouraged. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against the one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. This life is a battle. Let's not kid ourselves. Every day is a battle. Me and Lindsay read a book about marriage, and this applies to all areas of life. Was, I think it's like called the battlefield of marriage, but it, was, it, it did a great job depicting how we are to view ourselves each and every day that this is a battlefield. When me and, me and Lindsay go to bed, and we're exhausted, like many of you are, I'm sure, I picture two comrades sitting in a foxhole, back to back, getting some rest, ready to fight the next day. We're in this thing together, we got to have people around us to help strengthen us. To help that fight. Because it's a fight and it's an important fight. And the world wants to tell us it's not an important fight. But it's an important fight for our friends' souls. For our family's souls. For our kids' souls. And it's a fight that's worth fighting. And so being together as one helps strengthen us in that battle. Thirdly. Having those relationships within the church helps the world recognize God through the relationships and the love that we show each other. The world will see God through us in the way that we interact with each other. During the Last Supper, in John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you will love one another just as I loved you, you are also to love one another. By all this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People ask me quite often, I've been working for UND for like 12 years now. Every other person that I've ever worked with has, has left to the airlines. And, and they ask, Why have you stayed here? Why have you stayed in Grand Forks? And there are lots of different reasons the great weather those type of things, like, have kept me firmly here. <laughs> um, but it's not that. It's, it's the love I've been shown from everyone here. The fact I feel like this is a family, this is my family. This is the reason why I'm still here, is because of you guys, from the love and the support that has been shown in different times in life. And that is exactly how we show the world who God is by those kind of acts of kindness. I don't know about you guys, but the world is getting darker out there. Things are getting crazy. And I would rather forge ahead with you all than alone. That is why all those three things it's so important that we have relation with each other. So in that very same supper Jesus performed What writer M. Scott Peck deemed as the most pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry, I'd never thought about this before, and it kind of opened my eyes to it. But this moment that he claims is the most pivotal moment is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And this goes into why and the attitude that we need to have toward those and have relationship with those outside the body of Christ. So M. Scott Peck kind of describes it as, In action, in no way would a king The God of the universe, the one who created all things, would humble himself and wash whatever garbage and other refuse on the bottom of his disciples' feet. I thought it was interesting. In Jewish culture, a master could not tell their Jewish slave to clean someone's feet. And he writes... Until that moment, the whole point of things had been for someone to get on top, and once he was on top, to stay on top, or else to attempt to get further up. But here is this man already on top, who was a rabbi, teacher, and master, suddenly got down at the bottom and began to wash the feet of his followers. In that one act, Jesus symbolically overturned the whole social order. Hardly comprehending what was happening, even his own disciples were horrified by his behavior. And this is a perfect example on who we are to be to other people. We are to serve one another. And in that service was born the great commission that Christ gave us before he returned back to heaven in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So what does this look like in our life practically as we go out into our jobs, into grocery stores, whatever it may be? I used to think about these opportunities to create these relationships with others, to have conversations. And I would always use the word, I'm going to look for opportunities. I'm going to look for opportunities to serve. I'm going to look for opportunities to be neighborly, to be friendly to my neighbors and show them God's love. I'm going to look for opportunities to be hospitable. But as I continue to learn on the life that Jesus calls us to lead, that's not good enough. That's not good enough to sit back and let things come to you. So I think we need to change the way we talk about it. We need to talk about seeking out opportunities to serve friends, seeking out opportunities to serve our neighbors, seeking out opportunities to be hospitable. That is what's going to set us apart. And the church of Jesus Christ, our ultimate goal and act is to be the light of the world, the feet and arms of Jesus summed up what are we to do we are to help people find and follow Jesus that is our role as americans i see looking all around us we're getting further and further apart our privacy fences are getting higher and higher we are slowly distancing ourselves from other people and that's just that's society in general what we look at and how much more are we going to set ourselves apart through simple acts of kindness service hospitality, and seeking out those things. That saying that I said earlier, that relationships are expression of God's love, revealing himself through our friends. That's why I talked about with our relationships within the church. But it doesn't end there. Ending that saying, therefore, we can be that expression of love to others. From the love that we've been shown from each other, from the love we've been shown through Jesus himself, we can be that expression of love To others. So in order to flourish in these two areas, one thing we have to remember is there's got to be a balance between those two. If we only focus on the relationships within the church, we're not living out the job we were made to do. We're not spreading the news of the good news to the world. If we just focus and have relationships outside of the church, it's a dangerous place to be in not having anyone to hold us accountable. It is all about balance with those two things. But more importantly than that, both of these need to come second. Both of these need to come second. In importance to relation the relationship we have with the Lord our God, our creator, in order to keep all of these priority in order. He has to be our priority. We are made to be in relationship with our Creator, because He is the source of life. He is life. He's not to be someone that we put in our back pocket, and we have all these areas of our life, and we take Him out when it's, it's convenient or useful. He is the source of life. And once again, there are way more people that are more poetic, poetic than I am. And so I'm going to read what Paul says in Acts 17, 20 through 2 through 28. Paul is in Athens for the first time talking on what's called Mars Hill. He says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What, therefore, you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. What a greater way to describe as God being our source of life. If He is the source of life, then then our relationship with the Lord has to take priority over all other earthly relationships, no matter what, the world and tells us in order to maintain and keep our priorities in order. In our marriage, there's been friction, shocking. There's been times of what I call good friction, and there's been the times of what I call not good friction. And in those times of not good friction, every single time, without a doubt, we've always come back to the fact, and this is really can cover any relationship, it comes back to the fact. That either Lindsay or I are not in step with our Creator. That we're letting selfish ambition or pride, she deals with pride, not me, and other things going on, <laughs> we're letting those things take captive instead of being first and foremost walking with the Lord. And it's normally like, oh yeah, maybe I haven't spent quiet time the last few days. Something has been affected in our lives that creates that friction. And it's 100% of the time without fail. And that to me just over the years has proven we have to be in step with him. We have to be satisfied with our relationship with him. One of my favorite quotes and something I think about quite often comes from John Piper. Christ is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say it again. Christ is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. A powerful, powerful quote. So as I said before, in this areas of relationships within our lives, these relationships are an expression of God's love, revealing himself through our friends, and therefore we can be an expression of God and love to others, while balancing our necessary relationships between Christ's followers and those that are not in the body, but in order to flourish in those relationships, we must put our focus on our Creator and having that relationship be our highest priority because God is life. He must be at the throne of our lives to flourish in this area. For the For those that have taken the opportunity to develop that relationship with our Creator, that's awesome. We have the blueprint to be successful in this area. God's Word gives us the truth and the wisdom to be able to follow Him and live our lives out like we're supposed to live. We have it there right in front of us so we can be encouraged in that. And for those of us that have possibly never desired a relationship with him. Man, have I got good news for you. He loved you before you even realized you needed a relationship with him. That, And I'm not talking about a superficial love. It's a love that we cannot even comprehend. In First John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's such a deep love. He loved you before you even knew you needed His love. A God, the creator of the universe, the King of all, came to this earth, took form of a frail human body, died the death of a sinner died a sinner's death one who had no sin and on the very tree that he created he was nailed to so that he could come back and be in relationship with you and i encourage you to meditate and process what that deep love means one of the most beautiful I guess haunting rela- or verses, Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That very tree he created, he bore the weight, the curse of our sins so that we could come back into a relationship with him. And I encourage you if this is something you desire and you've never took that step of faith, you've never wanted to put or thought you needed to put your trust in him, just pray that prayer. Reach out to him. Ask him. Tell him what you want. Tell him you want that relationship. This is the time now, and it'll, I guarantee you it will change your life forever. And if it's something that you do right now and you take this opportunity to ask for that relationship with your creator, tell somebody about it. Let one of us know, let me know, let one of the pastors know. If you don't know anyone, tell your neighbor. This is, not an event, uh, this is not something to go about by yourself, as we've talked about, to be in relation, to help you through it. And so, we close with this. God loves each and every one of us. He desires that personal relationship with us. We have relationships here within the church we're called to have relationships with those outside of the body as well. But it all comes down upon and is all under the umbrella of our relationship with our Creator. And that has to be our first and foremost importance in our lives. If the uh, worship team wants to come back up, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, you are... A good, good God. One that loves us with a love that we can't even comprehend. We thank you for designing us, creating us in a way for relationships. We thank you that we can press into scripture and enable us to see what the lives we should lead, the relationships that we have in order to have the lives which you call us to lead. We thank you for all that you do for us every day, the blessings of this life. But we are so thankful for Jesus and his sacrifice for us on the cross. It's because of him we are able to be in relation with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.